Welcome to the Breckenridge Podcast. I'm John Bastoni, Securitized Products Trader here at Breckenridge Capital. Today I'm joined by Kurum Galani, one of the portfolio managers on the multi-sector team. We're going to start off by talking about corporates. July was a pretty strong month across the board in spread products. But starting with corporate specifically, how did this, the sector perform? And given the strong rate rally we had in treasuries, assuming they outperformed treasuries. That's right. So the big story this month was the continued strong performance in investment-grade corporates. Cash spreads tightened seven basis points to end the month at at an OAS level of 108, which is at the year-to-date tights, and corporates did outperform treasuries. Corporates posted 63 basis points of positive excess return during the month of July, bringing the year-to-date total to 4.6% in terms of excess return, but almost 10.5% on a total return basis given the strong rally we've had in rates so far this year. This actually makes it the strongest year-to-date performance for corporates since the financial crisis in 2009-2010. The rally was also very broad-based. Triple Bs and and longer-duration corporates were the primary beneficiaries, but all sectors and all maturity ranges had positive excess returns. So did yields change much given the drop in treasury rates? No, not really. The yield of worse on the corporate index stayed uh, steady at around 3.16%, and that's divided into um, 2.77% for intermediate corporates and 3.9% for longer dated corporates. And the spread differential between triple Bs and single A's is about 56 basis points, with triple Bs yielding about 3.5%, single A's yielding about 2.9%. It seems like uh, Q2 was pretty strong for corporate earnings. Can you give us any insight into some specific stories there? Yeah, so I think this is one of the reasons, and we'll talk about more for the strong performance in corporates. So over 90% of the companies in the S&P 500 um, have reported their Q2 earnings. Uh, Roughly three-fourths of them have beat their consensus earnings per share targets, but only half of them have beat their top-line or revenue growth targets. Revenue growth is a better, I would say, pure metric for bondholders because it's less prone to adjustments and manipulation compared to earnings per share. However, guidance for Q3 and beyond is not looking very encouraging at the moment. So if that guidance and consensus estimates are directionally correct, we may see a little bit more credit or sector-specific spread volatility in the coming months. And uh, the market technicals continuing to be supportive in um, the IG space? That's right, and I think that that's another reason why corporates performed so well this month. Both primary and secondary market performance was strong. Uh, so first, we had solid inflows during the month across all of fixed income, in particular high-grade bond funds, which includes high-grade corporates, high-grade aggregate funds, and excludes high-grade short-term bond funds, averaged uh, over $2.5 billion per week in July. Uh, the vast majority of that was in tag funds. So that indicates a strong demand, obviously, from the fund side and indicates that investors have a good amount of money that needs to be put to work. So at this point, we're edging closer to the record inflow set in in 2017. I think we're only about 30 or 40 billion shy of that. That coupled with net dealer holdings, which declined during the month and were generally negative throughout July, offset the higher than anticipated primary market corporate supply. So one example that it seems like we should highlight is Pepsi, which came with a new 10 and 30 year. Can you elaborate a little bit on the price talk and the the spread price action from announcement to pricing? Yeah, so Pepsi, you know, this is a company that's rated A1, A+. They brought a 10 year and a 30 year to the market, 1 billion in each 
maturity, the 10-year priced at 58 basis points, which had basically zero new issue concession, and uh, plus 80 basis points in the 30-year, which had a few basis points of negative new issue concession. This was the tightest 10 and 30-year corporate spread in 2019. And given that treasury yields are, are lower on an all-in absolute basis, you know, Pepsi's funding costs were fairly low for this $2 billion issuance that they had. That's pretty impressive price action. I, I would imagine given the rally in rates, we'll continue to see more supply come out. Last month, did, did we see heightened supply? And do you have any numbers behind that? Gross supply was $103 billion per Barclays, uh, bringing the year-to-date total to close to $800 billion. So it looks like at this, you know, if we continue at this pace, we will surpass the $1 trillion mark for the eighth year in a row. Now, supply is down, but it's down only marginally so far this year. It's about down about only 2% according to data from Barclays. August is typically a quieter month and expectations for this month are a little bit uh, on a lower side, you know, call it 65 to 75 billion. But we should highlight that there are a few large debt funded m and deals, such as AbbVie's $80 billion plus offer for Allergan, as well as Occidental Petroleum's purchase of Anadarko that could cause these numbers to be adjusted upward. Thank you, Karim. That's a great recap of the IG market for the month of July. Great, John. Thank you. So let's turn over to the securitized market. So uh, first, let's talk about, you know, how did securitized products perform in the month of July? Well, securitized products across the board had a strong month when you measure it by excess returns, which again is the return above a similar duration treasury. MBS, agency MBS was the strongest at plus 43 basis points, which was actually the best month in four years. Interest rates, namely the 10-year treasury was relatively stable, which the 10-year Treasury traded in a range of 195 to 215%. That range all month ultimately translated into lower volatility, which is a key input into MBS performance. I mean, the way to, to think about this is the more volatile Treasury rates are, the more volatile mortgage rates will be, which means there's a bigger chance that more homeowners will get a refinance opportunity. Ultimately, the more refinancings, the worse that is for MBS bondholders. That's right. That makes sense. And in terms of trends, uh, you know, we have global banks that have been cutting rates. The Fed has also cut rates 25 basis points. So can you talk a little bit about how that is affecting MBS securities? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the trend is, is, is for lower rates globally. And particularly when you talk about the Fed's cutting of rates and some of the forward guidance that's come out, you know, since the end of July, and at the time of this recording, the landscape has obviously changed a little, which we'll recap next month. But without getting too far ahead, lower rates ultimately mean more and more homeowners have the ability to refinance their mortgages, which we just mentioned. And that's obviously detrimental to MBS valuations. So right now, we see upwards of about 50% of all agency MBS. And again, this number is climbing given rates continue to go lower. Right now, we see upwards of 50% of all agency MBS outstandings as having at least some economic incentive to refinance. And this number is up from as little as 10% to start the year. And obviously this naturally has started to weigh on spreads a little bit. So a few months ago, that number was obviously a lot lower. You know, start the year, for example, we were at you know only about 10% of homeowners had incentive to refinance. Uh, that number has climbed up to 50%, as you mentioned. What are some of the things that investors should look for in terms of prepayment protection? There's a few things investors can look for for protection in a refi wave, which is what we're in now. One of the main things people look at is specified pools that have types of attributes with the most widely known being low loan balance pools. 
The way these pools work is that the bonds are made up of loans that have a maximum loan size of say 85,000 or 150,000 or 200,000 among, among others. And the theory goes, the lower the loan size, the greater the interest rate incentive a borrower would need to get over a refinancing hurdle. The way to think about that is there's, there's a fixed cost refinancing between the application fees, legal processing fees, appraisals, etc. Plus it's, it's time and effort to call your, your bank or your mortgage broker to, to refinance. So to put some numbers behind this, let's say mortgage rates drop 50 basis points. On a $100,000 loan, you, that may only save you about $20 a month. But on a $700,000 loan, that same drop in rates may be worth upwards of $100, $150 a month. And you know, these are just made up numbers to, to illustrate the example. But you know, the latter example, it would be much more worth it for the, for the homeowner to pursue a refinancing. So that makes sense. So the lower the loan balance, um, the less likely you are to refinance your loan given the uh, you know, X percent drop in rates, and that does offer MBS buyers some prepayment protection. What about agency commercial backed securities? Is this something investors should look at as a diversifier? Do they offer a yield pickup or an advantage? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of stories in the agency MBS specified pool universe that have similar attributes. And we also wanted to highlight the agency CMBS sector, which can act as a strong diversifier within the securitized products umbrella. The agency CMBS is at a very high level. These are multifamily loans that are securitized through the GSE programs with an emphasis on multifamily homes. So these are not loans to build shopping malls or other retail outlets that is you see traditionally in the more conduit CMBS space. These loans typically have some sort of hard structural prepayment protections built into them, such as a yield maintenance, which can be manifested itself into a point upfront prepayment protection. So in other words, if a borrower wants to prepay their loan, they may have to pay a dollar price of 104 instead of par, which is typical when a borrower refinances. So the additional four points up front will act as a strong deterrent to refinancing that loan, and that will inevitably protect the investor expected cash flows. We've seen this sector grow quite significantly over the past decade. And the other thing we're seeing come out of these deals is more green type deals, which as for an ESG focused investor like Breckenridge is, is great. Great. Well, thank you, John. Um, and thank you for everyone for tuning in to the Breckenridge podcast this month. We hope you'll join us next month.